Amen. All right. Well, we're there in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, and uh, we every every time we have church here, we'll read an entire chapter of the Bible together, even when it's a lengthy chapter, uh, because that's why we came to church, right? To read and study the Bible. I know most churches will minimize the reading of Scripture, but uh, we take the time to read it in its context. That way, you know you're not being fooled or misled. And 1 Corinthians 15 is a, is a well-known chapter. You know, you will find that throughout the Bible, uh, different chapters have different themes, and different chapters are known for different things. And 1 Corinthians 15 is known as the resurrection chapter. It's the, the chapter. It's not the only chapter, but it's the chapter that focuses on the subject of the resurrection. You begin the chapter talking about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you finish the chapter with the idea that because Christ was resurrected, we will be resurrected as well. Now, if you remember, we, last week we began a series entitled The Afterlife. And we are studying what the Bible teaches about what happens after this life. We're looking at heaven and hell. And uh, last week we began with an introductory sermon on the subject of preparing to die and how to be ready for the day of our death. Today we're going to talk about the glorified body. Next week, we're going to talk about heaven, all right? So I want you to be here next week. We'll be looking at what the Bible teaches about heaven and what heaven will be like. But today, we're going to deal with our bodies because the Bible teaches that if you are saved, when you die, you will one day be resurrected or you will be raptured up and your body will be transformed and you'll be given a new glorified body. And this morning, to be very honest with you, is going to be... A lot of Bible, and I know I say that every week, and, and we look at a lot of Bible around here, and I'm going to try to help guide you through. But even more than usual, we're just gonna, it's going to be a, like a real Bible study. We're going to study this out. I'll make some applications at the end that will feel more like a sermon, more like preachy on Sunday morning. But I want you to notice what the Bible says. You're there in 1 Corinthians 15. Look at verse number 35, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 35. Notice what the Bible says. But some men will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? So notice the question is, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? That's where Paul begins to talk about this idea of a new body, a glorified body. Notice verse 36. Thou fool, that which thou sowest. Now the word sow means to plant, all right? And he's about to give us an illustration. He's going to give us a picture here to help us understand the resurrection of the bodies and the body in which we come. He gives this illustration of a seed. He says, it's like a seed that you plant. Notice, he says, that which thou sowest is not quickened. The word quickened means to be made alive. He says, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. He says, you take that seed, that seed has no life in it. That seed is dead. And it is planted and it is buried under the ground. And eventually it springs forth as new life. That's the illustration. Look at verse 37. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain, it made by chance of wheat or of some other grain. Here's what he's saying. When you sow a seed, you don't expect that what's going to spring forth is the same as the seed that you put in. He says that seed is going to change. You put a little tiny seed in the ground and, and you bury that thing and you water it and you, and you let the sun shine upon it. And he says it comes out as a plant. It comes out as, in, as a tree. It comes out in a different body, in a different way. Look at verse 38. But God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, another of birds. And I'm not preaching on this this morning, but here's a great verse that shows us that 
men and animals are not equal. I know today we live in this society where people want to elevate animals to the place of men. And, you know, we got all these liberals running around. They get mad because they test, you know, shampoo on a rabbit or something. They don't care about the fact that 3,000 babies are being aborted every day. You know, and we live in this society where you want to equate animals with humans. But here the Bible tells us, hey, it's a different, it's a different flesh. He said, look at verse 39, all flesh is not the same flesh. But there, Sorry, I know I told you it's going to be Bible study, but I got to get a little preaching in it. But there is one kind of flesh of men. Another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, another of birds. Look at verse 40. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. Try to remember that phrase. We're going to try to come back to that at the end of the, of the sermon. Look at verse 42. So also. So he, say, he says, in the same way. He says, so also in the resurrection of the dead, it is sown in corruption. See, when you die, you are planted, you are buried. And he said, it's sown in corruption. Your body is sown. The word corruption means to rot, to spoil. Is that not what a body does? It decays as it is buried under the ground. He says, it is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dis- dishonor. The word dishonor means shame or disgrace. It is raised in glory. This is one of the reasons we call it the glorified body. And there's other passages and references to that. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown, notice, a natural body and it is raised a spiritual body. I want you to remember that as well. There's a natural body, and there's a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. Look at verse 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, uh, uh, that was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is Natural and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is of the Lord from heaven. And as is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. So he's explaining to us that we're going to receive a new body. It will be a, a, a changed body. He said the one you have now is, is, is corrupted. He said you'll have an incorrupted. The one you have now is with uh, dishonor. You'll have one that is with power. You have a natural one. You'll have a spiritual one. Now, keep your place in 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to come right back to it. But go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Let me say this as you turn there. The Bible does not give us a lot in regards to uh, what happens in, in the afterlife. I know we're preaching a whole series on the afterlife. But in comparison to, you know, all of the verses and chapters and Bible, uh, 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 all the advice that God gives us f- to how to live on earth, the Bible talks a lot about being saved here on earth as far as your spiritual salvation. talks a lot about marriage and raising children and your finances and just how to live the Christian life. As far as, you know, what comes in the afterlife, we're not given a lot, all right? In fact, Paul said that we look through a glass darkly. He says we're not able to see everything uh, exactly the way it's all going to play out, but we are able to see some things. And, you know, there, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want to show you something. In verse 1, the Bible says this. 2 Corinthians 5, look at verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house... Now, I want you to notice, he talks about your earthly house. He says, the place you dwell here on earth. Now, he's not talking about your house where you live, all right? He's talking about your body. 
the place where your soul, your spirit uh, dwell. He says, for we know that if our earthly house, and I'll prove that to you in a minute that he's talking about our body, of this tabernacle. Now, what's a tabernacle? A tabernacle is a tent. I want you to understand, he's talking about our bodies and he equates it to a tent. He says, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God. And in a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Skip down to verse number 6, just for sake of time. Verse number 6, notice what he says. Therefore, we are always confident, and, and, and we're skipping verses for the sake of time, but I would encourage you to read this in, in context. It's all the same thing. Notice what he says. Therefore, we are also confident knowing that whilst we are at home. Remember he talked about this earthly house? He says, while we are at home, notice, in the body. You see that? So he says, your body is your earthly house. We are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Look at verse 8. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Here's what I want you to understand. Paul refers to our body here on earth, our earthly house, as a tabernacle. He says, you live in what's the equivalent of a, of a tent here on earth. Now, in John 14, you don't have to turn there. Jesus gave these famous words, let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. He says this, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. It may be, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you this is for sure without a doubt, and I'm not trying to burst your bubble either, but it may be that the mansions that Jesus was referring to in heaven is the same building that 1 Corinthians 5, uh, uh, 6, I'm sorry, 5, 1, where he says we have a building of God and house not made with hands. It may be that the mansions is a reference to our glorified body. I know some of you are like, really? You know, I want to have like a tennis court and I want to have, you know, I was finally, look, I, I, I may be wrong, all right? And I'm not, you know, hopefully we get to heaven and you get a nice big mansion. Hey, praise the Lord for it. You can come and tell me, hey, you, you were wrong. But I, I'm telling you, it may be, I don't really see why we would need a, a big old mansion up in, in heaven, you know, and uh, have people go around and look at our houses and things like that. It may be that God is referring to, because here he says, look, what you have right now is the equivalent of a tent. He says, your body right now, it's like a tabernacle. It's like a tent. It's like you're out camping somewhere. He said, but one day you're going to go from the tent to the mansion. And it's an illustration as to the difference. The body you have now, you know, you say, what's the value of it? It's like a tent. He said, but, but the value you'll have then, it's like a mansion. It's a building made not with hands. It's the building of, of God, eternal in the heavens. So you take that as you like and if you're just like, no, absolutely not, it has to be a mansion, and I already got it all, you know, decorated, and I don't know what the colors are going to be. Oh, look, that's fine, all right? I'm not here to try to mess you up with that. But uh, th that may be a reference there. Go back to 1 Corinthians 15, all right? 1 Corinthians 15. It's not a big deal to me. We don't need to argue about it, all right? 1 Corinthians 15, look at verse number 49. Here's what we do know. Our glorified body will be similar to Christ's glorified body. And the Bible doesn't tell us a lot about our glorified bodies, but we do get a lot of insight into Christ's glorified body. And in 1 Corinthians 15, 49, the Bible says this, And as we have borne the image of the earthly, he says, in the same way that we are similar to uh, Adam, the image of the earthly, he says, he says, and as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image 
of the heavenly. He says in the same way that our bodies are physically similar to that of Adam and Eve, he said our bodies will physically uh, be similar to that of the heavenly Adam or of the uh, last Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this isn't the only place that shows that. Let me show it to you in other passages. You're there in 1 Corinthians 15. Go to the book of Philippians. you got 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Philippians chapter number 3, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Philippians chapter number 3, look at verse number 20, our glorified bodies will be similar to Christ's glorified bodies, Philippians uh, chapter 3, look at verse 20, notice what the Bible says, for our conversation, if you're in 1 Corinthians, you got 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Philippians 3.20, for our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, look at verse 21, who shall change our vile body, notice, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to do all things unto Himself. So notice, His body is referred to as a glorious body. That's what we call it, a glorified body. We are raised in dishonor. We are raised in glory. But here we are told that He will change our vile bodies, that it may be fashioned like unto His Glorious body. So it'll be fashioned. It'll be patterned after. It'll be similar to His glorious body. Let me give you another verse to prove that point. Go to 1 John chapter number 3. Now if you start at the end of the Bible, uh, the book of Revelation, and you move backwards, you're going to go past the book of Jude. It's one chapter. And then you'll be in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Find 1st John chapter number 3. 1st John chapter number 3. And look at verse number 2. 1 John chapter number 3 and verse number 2. 1 John chapter number 3 and verse number 2. Notice what the Bible says. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. That's talking about salvation. And by the way, you can know that you are a son of God. You can know that you are saved. He says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. But then he says this. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. He said, We have not yet seen what we shall be, but we know that when He, talking about Jesus, shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. You see that? So it's very clear in Scripture that when Jesus Christ comes back, which that's the day of the rapture, the resurrection, when we are changed into our incorruptible bodies, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Our vile bodies shall be changed and fashioned like unto His glorious body. As we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. So here's what we know. The glorified body... Uh, we, we know we will be given a glorified body, and the glorified body uh, may be the mansion that Jesus was referring to, if that's all right with you. And our glorified body will be similar. We know this, that it will be similar to Christ's glorified body. But let me give you just one more thing. Go, go with me to the book of, let's see, where do I want you to go? You know what? Go, go to the book of Luke real quickly. Like I said, we're going to look at a lot of passages this morning, so I hope you're getting ready to read and study the Bible. Go to Luke chapter number 24, all right? In the beginning of the New Testament, you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 24. Let me give you one more thing on, on that. Our bodies will be similar to Christ's glorified body. Now, we get insight into Christ's glorified body because Jesus on this earth walked in the equivalent of a tabernacle. He walked in an earthly man's body. 
But after he died and was resurrected, he was resurrected in his glorified body. He was resurrected in his changed body or his, uh, his, his heavenly body. So we get some insight into his glorified body by studying what G- how the body of Jesus was different after the resurrection, because remember, he, he was on this earth for some time after the resurrection. We can see how his body was different after the resurrection than it was before his death. But before we get into that, I just want to show you how his body is still similar. You're there in uh, Luke chapter number 24. Look at verse number 36. Luke chapter 24 and verse 36. This is Jesus after he, he is appearing to his disciples after his resurrection. The Bible says, uh, Luke chapter uh, 24 and verse 36, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke 24, 36. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. So they, they, they think they're seeing like a ghost, all right? Because they just saw Jesus die three days ago, right? They, 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 and now his body's missing. And all of a sudden he appears in the midst of them. And they're afraid, and they're uh, supposed that they had seen a spirit. Look, verse 38. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do your thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit hath, no, hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. So I want you to understand something, that the spirit body is still a body in the sense that Jesus still had flesh. Notice what he says. Uh, look at the anniversary of 9. He says, A spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me hath. Okay? Now, I don't have time to get into this. You're going to have to say this out on your own. A spirit in the Bible it has no body. But in 1 Corinthians 15, we're told about the natural body versus the spiritual body. The Bible seems to indicate that the spiritual body is still a body in the sense that there's flesh and there's bones. He's telling them, you're not seeing a ghost. You're not seeing a vision. He said, it's really me. Look at verse 39 again. Behold my hands and my feet. He's showing them the fact that his hands were pierced and his feet were pierced at his death. He says, that it is myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as you see me hath. Notice verse 40. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wonder, he said unto them, have you any meat? Now the word meat in the Bible is referring to food. He said, you guys got anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of boiled fish and of honeycomb, verse 43, and he took it and did eat before them. So in his glorified body, he still had flesh, he still had bones, and then notice, he's still eating. And that's good news for some of us, you know, because I'd, I'd hate to go to heaven and just not eat anymore, you know. I, I like to eat, you know, and it's, it's nice to sit down every once in a while and have a nice meal or something. And I'm glad to know that in heaven, in our glorified bodies, we'll still be eating because the Lord Jesus Christ was still eating. Now, you're there in Luke. Turn back with me to the book of Matthew. So you're going to go past Mark into Matthew. Let me give you one more, okay? And I'm trying to, uh, to, to explain to you the things we do know and the things that we uh, suspect, okay? Here's what we know. You will receive a glorified body. Here's what I kind of think. I think that the mansion that Jesus refers to is your glorified body. I'm not going to tell you that's without a doubt that's, that's gospel. I think that is what he's referring to, but you can study that out on your own. But here's what we do know. You will get a glorified body. Here's what we do know. Our glorified bodies will be similar to Christ's glorified body. We know that. The Bible spells that out. But here's something else that I kind of think may be true. 
I think that our glorified bodies may also be similar to the bodies of angels. Now, I didn't say that we become angels or that we are angels, but our bodies may be similar to, their angel, uh, to the bodies of angels. Matthew 22, look at verse 30. Matthew 22 and verse number 30, notice what the Bible says. For in the resurrection, that's talking about when we're resurrected, when we're raptured. Matthew 22, verse 30. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. In, in heaven, you will not be married. Remember, your vows were till death do us part. Once you die, you're not married anymore. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. My wife is happy about that. You know, she's like, in heaven, not only will we not be married, we're not even going to be friends. She's like, you know, we need, we need at least 10,000 years before we hang out, okay? You know, but anyway, for in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given in marriage. Notice what it says, but are as the angels of God in heaven. Now, you may say, well, that's only referring to the marriage part, and that may be true. But here's what, you, and I'm not going to run all verses. I'll let you study this out on your own. As you, as you watch the descriptions of Christ in his glorified body, and you also watch and listen and study the descriptions of angels, you will find that they are very similar. They look alike. So it may be that in heaven, our glorified bodies will be similar to the bodies of angels. Say, why is that important? It's important because we get to see angels in the Bible. And we get to see some characteristics that we'll look at this morning. So here's what we know. We will get a glorified body. Here's what we're not sure about, or at least I'm not sure about, but I lean towards the fact that our Bodies will be our dwelling place like they are here on earth, and that's the mansions that Jesus was referring to. Here's what we do know. The glorified body will be similar to Christ's body. Here's what may be true, or I tend to lean towards, is that our bodies will be similar to the bodies of angels, all right? Uh, so let's, let's, let me just give you, and we're going to jump into uh, some characteristics of the glorified body here in a second, but let me just give you uh, some famous descriptions of glorified bodies throughout the Bible. You're there in Matthew 22. Flip back to Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17, and look at verse number 1. We are given some insight into some glorified bodies in the Bible, and I want to just look at them quickly so you can kind of get an idea of what we're talking about. Matthew 17 and verse 1 is the famous passage about the Mount of Transfiguration, all right? Let's look at it together. Matthew 17, verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart. And was transfigured. The word transfigured means transform. Is the same idea that he was changed before them. So here's what Jesus understands. At the Mount of Transfiguration, for that short amount of time that they were up there, Jesus transformed his body from the earthly tabernacle that he dwelt in here on earth to his glorified body. He basically transfigured or changed himself to show them how he would be in glory. Notice what it says. And was transfigured before them. Notice how he changes. His face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And of course, we see that Moses and Elijah show up there as well for that Mount of Transfiguration. But I want you to notice, when his body was transformed, his face did shine as the sun, and, and his raiment was as the light. Now, keep, keep your place there in, in Matthew. We're going to be spending some time in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But go to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1. Let me show you another description of Jesus and his glorified body. After his ascension, after Jesus returned back uh, to heaven. And like I said, we're, it, it's, it's kind of Bible study this morning, and I apologize. I'll, I'll preach a little bit at the end, but I, I want you to see these things. After Jesus ascended up to heaven... He appeared several times. One was to Paul. We won't take the time to look at that in the book of Acts. One was to John. 
when he was basically uh, asking him or commissioning him to write the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 12, John gives us a description of who he saw. Revelation chapter 1, look at verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. Revelation should be fairly easy to find, last book in the New Testament. And I, uh, Revelation 1.12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, because he hears a voice. And he turns around to look at it. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man. The Son of Man is a title that was given to the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Here's another thing I want you to understand. I do believe that our glorified bodies will look similar to our bodies here uh, today. You know, we'll be able to see you and recognize you for who you are. Now, they will be changed, all right? Uh, And I don't know the extent of that. I know that in heaven there is no disease. I know that in heaven there is no sickness. If you have uh, a cancer here on earth, your glorified body won't have cancer. I don't, I don't think it'll necessarily have scars or blemishes or things. The book of Job uh, seems to indicate that, and we, we're not going to run those verses uh, this morning. We, we just don't have time. But, uh, you know, Jesus kept the marks on his hands and on his feet. I think God did that on purpose to be able to show us, you know, this is Christ. He died. But uh, our glorified bodies are going to be changed, but I think we will be able to recognize each other. I, I, I do believe that, obviously, they won't be corrupted. So anything, any problems that your body has, whether it's sickness, whether it's disease, you know, whatever it may be, will not be there, but it will still be you. It will still look like, you, you know, I'm kind of hoping my glorified body is maybe a little taller, you know what I mean? Uh, but, but who knows, you know, but you'll be able to look at me and identify, hey, that's Pastor Jimenez, or you'll be able to look at you and identify yourself. Because notice, look at verse 13, and in the midst of seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man. He said, I saw someone that looked just like Jesus. Here's why, because it was Jesus. Clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool. Notice that. His head and his hairs were like white like wool. Some of you are like, I'm already getting to my glorified body. I already got white hair, you know. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. Notice this. And his eyes were as a flame of fire. Could you imagine that? That's like Hollywood. You know, and by the way, you know, quit watching all the stupid movies and just read the Bible. It's better. Here the Bible tells us about Jesus. Could you imagine looking into the eyes of Jesus and it's just like fire? It's just light. His eyes were as a flame of fire. Notice verse 15. And his feet like undefined brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. I want you to remember that, because we're going to see another description that's similar to that. Look at verse 16. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance, talking about his face, was as the sun shineth in his strength. Isn't that similar to what we saw in the Mount of Transfiguration? Right? I want you to notice that. There's a theme about these glorified bodies. They all shine, okay? And we're going to talk about that at the end of the sermon. Look at verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. That's what I would do if, if this guy shows up, you know? And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Now go with me to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter number 10. In the Old Testament... Towards the end of the Old Testament, you got those major books of the prophets, Isaiah, Lamentation, Ezekiel, those big books, Isaiah, I'm sorry, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and then you got the book of Daniel, all right? Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and then you got the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter number 10. Someone shows up to Daniel and looks very similar to the Lord Jesus Christ uh, description in Revelation chapter 1. Notice what the Bible says. Daniel chapter 10, look at verse 5. Then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, 
whose loins were girded with fine gold of Uphaz. Notice verse 6. His body also was like beryl, and his face as the appearing of lightning. What's lightning? It's light. It shines. He said his face was like the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire. Do you see that? See, these, these aren't contact, uh, contacts, right? You know, he's not putting something in there that looks funny. He, he got eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude, all right? In Revelation, we're told that his voice was as the sound of many waters. We're told that his uh, feet were like brass. So it's a very similar. So I want you to understand, this glorified body is, is, is an interesting thing to look at. I mean, it looks like a human being, but it's shining. It, it's got the eyes are like light. Its face is, is shining. It's got all these uh, different descriptions. Now, go with me to the book of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We've gotten into all that. So let's, let's look at quickly some of the characteristics of glorified body. Now, again, we're going to look at some things that Jesus did and some things that angels did, and we're assuming, well, we know that our bodies will be like Christ. So what we're, we're, we're trying to look at, you know, the things that Christ's body was able to do as a glorified body may be things that you and I will be able to do with our glorified body, and they're kind of interesting things to look through. John chapter number 20, look at verse number 19. In the New Testament, we've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Now, let me warn you, all right? This is where we're going to get a little into the supernatural. You might call it sci-fi. It's just the Bible, all right? But it's interesting things, all right? John chapter number 20, look at verse number 19. John chapter 20 and verse number 19. Notice what the Bible says. Then the same day at evening... Being the first day of the week, this is after the resurrection of Christ, okay? Because Jesus did not do any of these things before his resurrection. Once he resurrected, he's in his glorified body. That, uh, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut. Now look, everything is in the Bible for a reason. Nothing is in the Bible just by accident or just by coincidence. It's all in there for a reason. God tells us things, and God makes sure to tell us in this passage two different times when Jesus appears that the doors were shut, all right? The, these guys have been following Jesus for years, and Jesus just got put to death. They are afraid. They think the Jews are coming after them next. They think they're going to be put to death. They are hiding. The doors are shut. They're locked. They're in hiding. Notice what the Bible says, verse 19. The same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the, door, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, notice, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Now skip down to verse 26, all right? In verse 26, we have another time. That Jesus appears to them. Look at verse 26. And after eight days, this is another appearance. Again, his disciples were within. And Thomas with them, because Thomas skipped out on a Sunday night church last week. So he, got, he didn't get to see Jesus. You know, but now Thomas is there. Then came Jesus. Notice, the doors being shut. He makes sure to tell us, the doors are shut. The doors are closed. And stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. Something that we can get from this passage is that it appears that the glorified body has a metaphysical type of ability where, God, where Jesus is basically just walking through walls, walking through doors. The doors are shut, but he just walks right in. And it, and it emphasizes it in two different passages, two different meetings. The doors were shut, but he just came in and stood in the midst. The doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace be unto you. So, 
I don't know. You say, how does that work? I don't know. I can't explain that to you. I can just tell you what the Bible says. But here's what I can tell you. Jesus was just walking through walls, walking through doors. You try to lock him out, and he's like, I'm coming right through, you know? Hey, guys, how you doing? You know, so what, there may be that our glorified bodies have the ability to walk through uh, material like walls, doors, things of that nature. You're there in John. Go to Luke. Go, go backwards in your Bible to Luke, the book, the book right before it. Luke chapter 24, let me give you something else that's a little different, something that you and I aren't able to do. Luke chapter 24. Now in Luke 24, you've got two disciples walking down the road to Emmaus. And Jesus basically walks with them, and they don't know. The Bible says their eyes were holding, and they did not recognize him. And he's basically talking to them, and he's explaining to them that the Messiah, that Christ was supposed to die, that these things were supposed to happen. And in verse 30, the Bible says this, And it came to pass, Luke 24 and verse 30, As he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them. So they're going to have a meal, right? Because we already saw Jesus eating uh, fish. Look at verse 31. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him. That's, this is Jesus after his resurrection. Notice what the Bible says. And he vanished out of their sight. You see that? So this is not something Jesus did while on earth. You know, in fact, the Bible tells us Jesus, when he was preaching one day and, and they tried to throw him off a cliff, he, he, he just kind of blinded the, the people's eyes and he walked through them to get away from the Jews that were trying to kill him. But here in his glorified body, when they see him, he just vanished. He just disappears. So we see Jesus in his glorified body. He has the ability to walk through walls. We see Jesus in his glorified body. He has the ability to appear and disappear. Uh, you're there in Luke 24. Look down at verse number 51. Luke 24 and verse 51. Notice what the Bible says. Luke 24 and verse 51. Luke 24 and verse 51. Notice what it says. And it came to pass. And it came to pass. While he, that's Jesus, blessed them. This is in his resurrected body. He was parted from them. Notice what it says. And carried up into heaven. It seems, the Bible seems to indicate that Jesus had the ability to fly after his resurrection. Now, I know you guys are thinking to yourself, Pastor Jimenez, this is ridiculous. What is this, X-Men? You know, what is this, Superman? But here's what you need to understand, you know. It's, it would make sense that the world would take things like this and mock them and make fun of them or make it for children because that's what the, the, the Satan does. If anybody knows the abilities that Jesus has in his glorified bodies or the abilities that you and I may have in our glorified bodies, it would be Satan. So it would make sense that he would just make a mockery out of it and make it cartoons and make it movies and make it this and make it that. But that's what I'm telling you. You, you say, well, if I, if I, don't, if I, if I start being a fundamental Baptist, you know, I can't watch Spider-Man anymore. I can't watch X-Men anymore. I can't watch a new Superman movie. Hey, read the Bible. You got Jesus flying up in, this, in the air. You say, well, he was ascended up. That was, a, uh, that was just a one-time event, his ascension, you know, it's a well-known thing. But here's the thing. The Bible tells us that he ascended several times. Because if you remember, and I won't take the time to show it to you, but if you remember, you can study this out on your own. When he appeared to Mary Magdalene, he said to her, don't touch me because I've not yet ascended up to my father. But then he, later he shows up to the disciples and he's like, handle me. He's like, handle my hands and my feet. See that it's, it's really me. He said, put your hand to your side. So now he's saying, go ahead and touch me. He tells her, don't touch me. I haven't ascended yet. He tells them, go ahead and touch me. What happened between that? He ascended up to the Father. You know, yeah, 
we, we believe that he did his priestly uh, job of, of taking the, the, the blood of the sacrifice and sprinkling it uh, seven times in the holy place there, just like the, the priesthood did in the Mosaic Law. And then he came back down. He spent several, several uh, weeks with them here on this earth. And then the Bible tells us he ascended up again. Not only are we told of Jesus ascending, and there's multiple passages we could look at. We won't, I'll just show you those. But the Bible also tells us that angels fly. Matthew 28, look at verse 1. You're there in Luke. Head back to Matthew 28. You're going to go past Mark and, 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 uh, and into the book of Matthew. Matthew 28, look at verse 1. Matthew 28, verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, and the angel of the Lord, notice, descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. So he's coming down from heaven. He's flying through the air. Keep your place there in Matthew 28. We're going to come right back to it. Go to Revelation chapter 14. Revelation should be fairly easy to find. Last book of the, of the New Testament, Revelation chapter 14. Look at verse 6. Revelation chapter 14 and verse 6. Notice what the Bible says. Revelation 14, 6. Revelation 14, 6 says this, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. Here we're told that the angel is flying in the midst of heaven. We obviously know that we come back at the battle of Armageddon. Jesus comes back on a white horse and we are on horses and we are descending from heaven. You say, flying people are crazy. How about flying horses? I mean, this is just the things the Bible tells us. It's supernatural, but it seems to indicate that these glorified bodies have the ability to just walk through walls, have the ability to just vanish out of, uh, you know, uh, out of someone's sight or appear, um, have the ability to fly, to ascend up to heaven and to come back down and to descend from the, from, from the heaven. Go back to Matthew 28. Look at verse number 2. Matthew 28, verse number 2. Let me show you one more odd thing, and then we'll get into something. Well, a couple more odd things, and then we'll get into something a little more normal. Matthew 28, look at verse 2. The Bible seems to indicate that these bodies have supernatural strength. And what I mean by supernatural strength is that, you know, it exceeds the strength of a normal human being, you know. Even a strong, you know, like, like me, I'm a pretty strong person, right? But, but it exceeds, that's a joke, okay? You can laugh. Good night. Okay, but, you know, you, but, but the, the, these bodies can, can have supernatural strength in the sense that they can do things that normal humans aren't able to do in their mortal bodies. Matthew 28, look at verse 2. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven. We saw that. Now notice what it says. And came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. So this angel shows up, and then he rolls back the stone himself. Now here's what's interesting about that. Go to Mark chapter number 16. I know we're looking at a lot of verses, but I, I gave you a warning. Mark 16, look at verse 4. Some people were like, I didn't come to church for this. I always think that's funny. We were like, I didn't come to church for this. For what? To study the Bible? You know, when people complain about, you guys look at way too many verses, I'm like, good night. You are not going to make it here. Mark chapter 16, look at verse 4. Mark chapter 16, you got Matthew, Mark. Mark 16, look at verse 4. Mark 16, verse 4. And if you're not able to keep up, we record these sermons. You can review it at home if you'd like. Mark 16, verse 4. And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away. And they're worried. These ladies are worried. How are we going to roll the stone away? For it was very great. So the Bible tells us a big stone. 
heavy stone, and this angel just rolls it on his own. He said, well, maybe the ladies were weak. Well, maybe they were. But go to Psalm 103. Psalm 103, let me give you one more verse on this, and then we'll move on to something else. Psalm 103, look at verse 20. If you open up your Bible, just right in the center, you're more than likely following the book of Psalms. Psalm 103, look at verse 20. Psalm 103, verse 20. Notice what the Bible says. Psalm 103 and verse 20. Psalm 103, verse 20. Bless the Lord, ye his angels. Notice what the Bible says, that excel in strength. The Bible tells us that angels excel or are above what we would consider normal strength. They excel in strength that do His commandments hearken unto the voice of His word. So here we're told the angels are described as being those that excel in strength. Go back to Matthew chapter 13. Look at verse 43. Matthew chapter 13, verse 43. So here's what we know. We get a glorified body. The Bible tells us that. Here's what we think. The glorified bodies are probably the reference to the mansions that Jesus said we're going to receive. That building made without hands, that building uh, 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 that, that is eternal, as opposed to the tabernacle we're in now. We know the tabernacle is a reference to our body, and that building in heaven may be a reference to the mansion. Um, here's what we know. Our glorified bodies will be similar to Christ's glorified body. Here's what we can think, or maybe assume, is that they'll probably be similar to the bodies of angels, because they seem to be fairly similar in description. We, uh, we, we, we know that Jesus in his glorified body was able to walk through walls, was able to appear and disappear, was able to fly. We saw the angels flying. We saw the angels having supernatural strength. Go to Matthew 13, look at verse number 43. Let me give you the last characteristics of these bodies, these kind of supernatural characteristics. Matthew 13 and verse 43, notice what the Bible says. Then shall the righteous, now the righteous is a reference to saved people or believers. Then shall the righteous, notice, shine forth as the sun. Do you see that? Now, we've seen many references throughout the Bible that these glorified bodies shine. Their countenance shone like the sun. Their face was like lightning. We've seen a lot of references to these bodies shining. Here we're told, then, talking about the future coming kingdom, then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. The Bible tells us that the righteous shall shine. The righteous will uh, shine forth as the sun. Now, go with me to the book of Daniel. I, I meant to tell you, and I apologize if I didn't, I meant to tell you to keep your place in Daniel. But if you, if you didn't keep your place there, uh, Daniel chapter 12, you got Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Daniel chapter number 12. And look at verse number 3. Daniel chapter number 12 and verse number 3. Daniel chapter number 12 and verse 3. Notice what the Bible says. And they that be wise, and they that be wise, shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. Do you see that? God says, if you're wise, you will shine as the brightness of the firmament. This is talking about your glorified bodies, future. And they that, notice, turn many to righteousness... As the stars, meaning they'll shine as the stars forever and ever. The Bible tells us here that if you're wise, you will shine as the brightness of the firmament. And then he explains, he says, what does it mean to be wise? He says, they that turn many to righteousness. What does it mean to turn people to righteousness? It means to get them saved. 
They were unrighteous. They were unbelievers. They were on their way to hell. But if you go to them, you reach out to them and you turn them around and you get them saved and they go from unrighteous to righteous, from dead in their trespasses and sins to a new creature in Christ. God says, if you do that, they that turn many to righteousness, you will shine as the stars forever and ever. Now notice that, that, that uh, jives with the teaching in Proverbs. Keep your, uh, go to Proverbs chapter number 11. If you remember Psalms was right in the center of the Bible, right after the book of Psalms, you got the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 11. Here's what I want you to understand. The Bible seems to indicate, well, the Bible doesn't seem to indicate. The Bible tells us that we will all shine in our glorified bodies. But the Bible seems to indicate that the amount of your shine, how bright you will be, has something to do with how, you know, how many you turn to righteousness or how wise you are. But in Proverbs 11.30, the Bible says this. You got Psalms, Proverbs. Proverbs 11.30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls... What does it mean to win souls? What does it mean to go soul when it means you turn many to righteousness? He that winneth souls is what? Wise. You see that? Daniel 12.3 says, The wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, because he that winneth souls is wise. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. The Bible seems to indicate, go, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. We're almost done. I just want to show you a couple of things. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, look at verse number 41, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 41. See, not everyone in heaven is going to shine equally. In fact, Jesus will outshine them all. He will, be, he will shine as the sun, right? Now, stars shine, but compared to the sun, you know, the sun outshines them. But the Bible indicates that not everyone in heaven is going to have the same shine. Some will shine more than others. 1 Corinthians 15, look at verse number 41. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 41. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. The glory is referring to that shine. He says, some stars have more glory, have more shine than other stars. Say, well, how can I make sure that I shine, that I have a lot of shine in my glory of my body? He says, get people saved. Turn people to righteousness. Be wise. Win souls. He says, it has to do, how many people you get saved has to do with your shine. You say, okay, well, why do I care about that? Why would I care about shining? You're there in 1 Corinthians 15. Head back to 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. Here's what we know. Glorified bodies will shine in heaven. Here's what we know. Your shine is dependent upon how many people you get saved, how wise you are, how how faithful you are to soul winning and preaching the gospel and getting people saved. That's what we know. Okay? You say, well, what what does that have to do with anything? Here's what I think. Let me just tell you what I think. I'm not telling you. This is not doctrine. This is just my opinion. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look at verse 1. Dare any of you having a matter against another... Go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? See, after our, we're given our glorified bodies, we're not just going to be sitting up in heaven on a cloud playing a harp, you know, relaxing. All right? We're going to be working. 
We're going to be judging. Notice what he says. Look, look verse 1. Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, it's talking about the millennial reign. Are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? Here's what he's saying. You're going to judge the nations during the millennial reign. You're going to judge the world during the millennial reign. You're going to judge angels. They're going to be put under your authority. Here's what I think. I think just like in the military, you have a ranking system where you've got one rank, and that means you've got so much authority, but someone has more rank than you, has more authority. and they, they I think in heaven, our ranks are going to be uh, uh, established by your shine. And guess who outranks everyone? Jesus Christ. But you know what? Based on how much you do on this earth to further the gospel, to further the Great Commission, I think you will shine more the wiser you are, the more souls you want. And I think in heaven, that's how we will be ranked, and that's how we will know who has more authority and who, who, who gets to judge more and do more and rule and reign with Christ based on how you shine. Listen to me. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings or anything, but some of you are going to show up to heaven. You're going to be a nightlight. Look, I don't want to get to heaven and be nightlight Christian, okay? I want to shine, you know? I don't want to be glow-in-the-dark where, like, the only time you can see me is when no other Christian's around because all of their lights outshine mine. You know, I want to be rewarded in heaven. I want to be able to rule and reign with Christ. And God said it's connected. It's connected to how faithful you are to turning people to righteousness. Say, I, I, I want to be rewarded in heaven. You say, I, I want to do great things for God in heaven. You say, I, I want to be, I want Jesus to know that I loved him and I gave my life to serve him. Then make sure you shine. And make sure you shine. Because in heaven, you can go around and say, oh, I, Jesus, I love you so much. Thank you so much. But look, if you're, if you're Mr. Nightlight, you're going to be like, who's, ta- who's talking? I can't see you. you. You can tell me you love me all you want, but your shine sure doesn't show it. Your, your, your brightness, see, it'll be very apparent, it'll be very apparent who gave their life to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, go, go back to it. We're almost done. We're going to look to more passages, what we done. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, look at verse 51. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51. Behold, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, they're talking about the rapture, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy string? O grave, Where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's what's interesting, all right? 1 Corinthians 15, 58 is one of the most famous verses in the book of 1 Corinthians. And I've always wondered, what does 1 Corinthians 15, 58 have to do with the rest of the book of 1 Corinthians 15? Because 1 Corinthians 15 is all about the resurrection, And then you get to verse 58, and you're like, this is a great verse, but it doesn't seem to fit until you realize that your glorified body and the glory that you will have in your glorified body 
is dependent on what you do to further the work of God on this earth. Because Paul says this, he says, we're going to be changed, we're going to be transformed, this corruptible will put on incorruption, this mortal will put on immortality. He said, we're going to be uh, given these glorified bodies. Then he begins, then he ends the chapter in verse 58 by saying this, therefore, he says, therefore, he says, for this reason. For what reason, Paul? Because you're going to be given a glorified body. Because you're going to be given a body that walks through walls, that flies through the air, that vanishes and reappears. Because you will be given a body that shines and it'll, uh, uh, and you'll be judging angels and judging nations and ruling and reigning with Christ. He says, because of that, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He says, you think about quitting soul winning? Don't quit. Don't quit. He said, you think about quitting on the ministry and quitting on God, and you're saying it's just too much work, and I, I could do better things. And I, he said, don't, don't quit. Don't quit. Because your glorified body, well, it'll depend how glorious that glorified body is, depending on the things you do on this earth. He says, therefore, he says, therefore, be ye steadfast. Unmovable. He said, don't quit. Don't slide back. Don't do less. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. See, some of you, you used to go soul winning. You used to show up to church on Sunday night. You used to show up to church on Wednesday night. You used to read your Bible every day. You used to pray every day. You used to witness. You used to do all these things. And Paul's saying, hey, don't quit that. Your glorified body is dependent on it. How glorious that body is. The rewards of the future are dependent on what you do in this earth. Let's look at one more passage. We'll be done. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 18. You're there in 1 Corinthians. Just go back one, one book. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 15, 18. See, some of you have gotten beat up. And listen to me. So have I. I've been beat up. And sometimes you get beat up on this, in this world, and it, 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 uh, it makes you want to quit. It makes you want to be done. It makes you want to throw in the towel. Notice what Paul says, Romans 8.18. For I reckon, Romans chapter 8, verse 18. This is the last verse we'll look at. We're done. Romans 8.18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory. See the word glory there? Which shall be revealed in us. Now, I just want you to understand this. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed to us. Do you understand what I just said? He, he doesn't say that one day you're going to get to heaven and it's going to be so glorious. Next week we're going to talk about heaven and it will be glorious. He said, he doesn't say one day you're going to get to heaven and it's going to be so glorious that it's going to make the sufferings of this present world to, to, to not even be compared. He doesn't say you're, you're going, God's going to reveal to you glorious things. He doesn't say that. He says this. They are not worthy to comp- be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. Here's the key word. In us. Referring to your body. Here's what he's saying. You suffer. You suffer for God on this earth. And it'll be worth it when you get that other body. You'll be glad you did. 
Your body now says, I'm tired. I don't want to go soul winning. I'm shy. I'm this. I'm that. I work. He says, look, look, make your body do it. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, and it'll be worth it in what's revealed in you, what he gives you. See, the mansion does have to do with your reward. I, 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 when I get my, my mansion in heaven, which I, I think is the body, I want my body to be, you know, maybe it'll be like a two-story. You know, I, I want it to be nice and, and, and something that God says, I prepared this for you. Isn't it worth it? Everything you went through, isn't it worth it? I don't want to get to heaven and say, man, I went from a tent to a duplex, you know. I went from a tent to a studio. I went from a tent to, you know, uh, just a, a one-bedroom house. He says, your glorified body, your glorified body, the glory depends on what you do. Depends on what you do. See, you focus on the things of this world. You focus on this flesh. You focus on this thing, these things you said, then you won't, it won't be great. You'll be glad you're in heaven. You'll be glad you're in heaven. But we're going you know, to have to put sunglasses on you or something because you're going to be like, everyone shines so much. He says, therefore, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father.